Welcome to this week's teaching from Exchange Church in the heart of Belfast. Um, yeah, so, yeah, happy Easter. Isn't it great? Yeah. I, um, I'm really excited because after today, Penny's just said you were going to Donegal. <laughs> Do you know if you check on your weather app, you no know, one it sort of goes rain, they have a cloud and rain comes down, right? Well, if you look at Donegal, they just turn the rain that way. So what that means is it's just hitting you in the face all the time, just like all the time. And um, you can, you know, you give yourself some encouragement. When you're going on holiday, do you ever do this when you go on holiday? You kind of start to check the weather about three or four weeks out. Okay, don't do that if you're going to Donegal, because like, it must be the easiest job in the world, it must be a, <laughs> an Irish weatherman. Do you know what I mean? It's like, uh, don't really need to make... Just do weather, just do cloudy, uh, let's go for, shall we go for rain? Let's go for rain, lovely. And because uh, like <laughs> six days out of seven, you're going to be right. So uh, pray for us, please. Um, I have no idea, Penny booked it all. And uh, I was feeling reasonably encouraged until she told me, oh, we need to pay for heat. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean you need to pay for heat? Well, it's extra for heat in the place that we've booked. So... Um, all I'm going to say is, holy smokes, um, yeah, apparently, apparently there is running water, although that's TBC, I'll let you know later on. Um, yeah, so the heat is extra, we're right on the very west coast at Sleeve League, which is beautiful, the highest cliffs in Europe, um, but that's not going to be any, any good to me, really. So uh, Penny and I always have this thing about holidays, you see, right? So I remember years ago before we had kids, you know, when like, we were both working, so we had money and with no kids, it was great, remember those days? What, <laughs> What was that about? See, like, you used to have like money to spend on things. And we could go, where do you want to go on holiday? I don't know. Where do you want to go on holiday? Where do you want to Remember those days? And uh, yeah, fantastic. And I, I said, well, I, I really, really love to go somewhere with a D. Now, in my head, I was thinking Dubai, right? I was going, Dubai would be awesome, right? <laughs> Penny at that stage went, uh, I think it was the English in her, oh, Donegal, right? So it's never left her. So pray for me this week, will you? Light a candle, put it in your windows. Um, (laughs) Do we do that? No, we don't do that, do we? Do it anyway, it's bound to help, all right? Just light candles and say prayers and bless yourself and all the rest of it. That's a joke if you're watching online. We don't do that. Are you ready to celebrate Easter this morning? Because, um, uh, you know, this is the best day, actually. Uh, it's, it's, It's the day where we see grace at its most fullest and its most clear. And it's a day to rejoice, and it's a day to remind yourself, as you said under the word this morning, if you need faith for tomorrow, then listen today, all right? Because what happens is your faith for tomorrow and your faith for the days that come is normally deposited in you way before you need it. Do you get that? Okay, Uh, let me explain it, because some of you are going, I have no clue what you're talking about. It's absolutely pointless to wait until you're in crisis to go, go, well, it's not pointless, but it's difficult, isn't it, in the moments when your back's against the wall, begin, Lord, help me, right? I need a miracle. And the Lord goes, I don't need you to live from miracle to miracle. I want you to live a blessed life. I want you to live an overcoming life. And what happens is the Lord knows that there are things in our lives that take time to grow. And there's faith comes by hearing and by hearing and by hearing. And the word that you will receive today, the, do you know, I've, I've said this before, the worst type of Christians, and there is the worst type of Christians, if you're a pastor or anyone who preaches, are the people who say to you afterwards, that was very good, but Joseph preached it better. <laughs> Run into them there, right? <laughs> are you allowed to do that from the front? Yes, no, Penny's face, horrified, right? Okay, so... Um, 
right? It's like, oh yeah, I've heard that before. He, he said it really well. I go, look, our faith, do you know where a complicated knowledge faith thrives? In a life that's lacking an experience of grace. Let me say that again. We love the complicated when we're not experiencing the simpleness of grace. And so what we do is we overcomplicate it because we need more. And what, does that make sense to you? And actually sometimes when faith comes, uh, faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing the word. And so what I want to do today is say, look, there are seven things, uh, seven being what in the Bible? The number of perfection and completion, okay? There are seven things that happen on Resurrection Sunday uh, or, or things that are achieved for us in Resurrection Sunday that we celebrate today because... Um, and just, it might just be that the Lord is speaking to you this morning about something that he wants to put into your life so that you can stand strong and overcome and not crumple like a, like a $2 suit. See, I'm going all American. Do you know what I mean? Like a, like a $2 suitcase whenever things press in again, because today we celebrate more than that. Amen. And so that's what we want to do. In fact, 1 Corinthians 15, I love this verse 17. These are some of the earliest words ever written actually in the Bible. Uh, when Paul was writing to the church in Corinth, he said, if Christ has not been raised... Our gospel is in vain. Your faith is in vain. And we are found to be preaching a false gospel. That's interesting, isn't it? So everything up until this Sunday, without the validation of what happens on Sunday, right? There's no power in the cross. Do you get that? Okay, it's really important that we get that. We might as well eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die, right? Well, hey, doesn't that sound awesome? Eat, drink, and be merry because tomorrow we die. And, and what Paul's saying is, is essentially that it, it's, all, it's all worthless if we don't remember and celebrate what happens on Resurrection Sunday, all of it. We might as well be playing golf today. Here, there's an idea. Just kidding, right? Back in the room, Andrew, all right? And uh, we, we might as well be doing that. So like if it didn't happen, what, what the Bible actually says is if, if today didn't happen, just get on with your life and do whatever you want, all right? Because all of this is just completely meaningless. But we know that today means so much more. And as, as I speak today, my prayer is that you'll know the grace and love of Jesus today. I pray that you won't feel demand, but I pray that instead you would feel the empowerment of the Holy Spirit as he builds you up in the good news of his finished work and grace. Amen? And it's because I, I love this story. And Penny already said it this morning. There's one line that jumps out. And uh, it, it's the women, Luke 24, 5 and 6. It's, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Now, that's really important because what I want to do is I want to look at what resurrection life looks like, the seven things of resurrection life today. And it's interesting is that, that there's a point that the Lord's trying to say to us. Now, you, you're going to have to really tune in and listen to me here, okay, so that you don't misunderstand me because we rightly love the cross, the cross is the symbol and proof of what? God's love for us and God's love for us even in our sin and in our rebellion. And so rightly we boast in the cross, don't we? We say, thank you for that cross, Lord. That is incredible. So the question here is, why do you look for the living amongst the dead? Exposes something that's truth to us this morning. Because, you know, like, like those Sunday morning, those Sunday morning mourners, those women who were looking for Jesus. What, what the Bible is telling us is there is something so magnificent beyond the cross that we need to capture. And actually, it is what's beyond the cross that gives the cross its glory. Does that make sense? And what gives the cross its glory is resurrection. 
So here's the thing. Sometimes we, if we can get stuck on the cross at times. And without seeing it in the context of the whole resurrection, what happens is your faith can stay stuck in tragedy and you miss the triumph. Because what happens is resurrection takes tragedy, takes the difficult things, what, what looks like loss, and turns it into triumph for you and I. And the whole point is now not that we live mindful just of the cross, but we look beyond it to go, what is the resurrection glory that gives the cross its meaning? Does that make sense to you? And so that's why we celebrate Resurrection Sunday, because we, we get to live in the goodness of the cross, because what happens is, like, like because we did it on Friday night, so I'm not going to re revisit it. The cross happens, and then everything is validated by on Resurrection Sunday. So the question I want to ask you is this. What, what's, what's, do you live with resurrection life in your view? That's the point. I, we, we got hammered for this for years. That's why we ever started this church, is we had something in our hearts that went, there, the power of the cross is not going to be limited to your or my experience. Do you get that? There was something in this, and, and I, I can remember many times having many discussions when, quite frankly, we were thrown out of our last church, or it made very difficult. I think it was like constructive dismissal. Do you know what I mean? You know the way that they don't actually sack you, but they make it so flippant impossible for you to stay, right? You, is that over what? Because there was something in me years ago, looked at it and went, looked at, looked at, at the work of the cross and went, there, what was all of that about? If it doesn't impact on me today, if resurrection life is not mine today, then what was the point? Do you get that? Otherwise, it's just a cool story. But there's tons of cool stories out there. And this is the greatest story that was ever told. And so we have to revisit for some of us and rethink through. Lest we rob, if we don't, if we don't look at it through, through the lens of actually this is resurrection life post the cross, okay? Like, do we actively live like that? Because if we don't, then we miss the point. We absolutely miss the point. Do you get that? I wanna, I wanna encourage you. Let that word come into your heart today because it's gonna bring fruit in your life at a time where you need it. Amen? And so there's over 500 people who actually see Jesus after the resurrection, the Bible says. They, with their own eyes, they see him, and with their own hands, they touch him, and they spend... And what happens is those people, and we are the fruit of those people in the church today, they, it wasn't because of the cross. There was more than that saw Jesus on the cross, but the resurrected Christ, that, that they saw 500, 500 of them, what they did was they spent the rest of their lives talking about what? About the cross, part of it. They spent their lives talking about the resurrected Jesus. That's what they did. It was the resurrection that caught them. And it was amazing. You know, for sure they preach crucifixion and sin being paid for because that's the central pinch of the gospel. But do you know what? The message was not the most controversial thing that they had to say in their day. The claims that the apostles would go on to make about Jesus' death were wildly controversial. That's why they got killed. Nobody would have cared if they had gone around preaching. God put on a cross and died and never came back. The Romans wouldn't have given them the monkeys. The religious people would have gone, but sure, he was just a man anyway. Isn't that what we told you? But they didn't do that because they had seen and touched and experienced. That's what the Lord wants for you on this Resurrection Sunday. Because they experienced that in their real life, in their every day, they preached the cross and then they preached the resurrection. And they were persecuted and martyred, not because of what they said about his death, but because of what they said happened next. Because he rose again. If you read Acts, 
For those of you who don't know what that is, that's a book in the New Testament. GK. All right, it's in the Bible. You'll love it. You should get into it one day. The sermons and acts are filled with the resurrection, showing over and over what it means for those who follow Jesus. Almost, do you know what? Almost no one back in those days debated that Jesus died. It was fact. We celebrate historical fact today. But the Jews and the religious people really struggled with resurrection. It's really interesting. I think the same religious spirit today in some ways still struggles with resurrection. You get me? Is it really true that the resurrected life that grace promised you today is life in its fullness? The same religious spirit that refused to believe that the Son of God overcame death is the same religious spirit that will whisper in your ear today and go, don't believe too much. If you're sick, it's because the Lord wants you to be sick. If you're not overcoming, it's because of your sin and the Lord withholding from you. What I want to say to you today is there is something on Resurrection Sunday which needs to grasp us again for the fullness of grace and resurrection life post the cross. Because the, I'll tell you what, you know, I, the reason why I, I talked about our own experience is because, you know, back, back in the day, back in, in, not our day, back in like the, you know, when this was all happening, you know, around, the, around that time, 2,000 years ago. I'm, really, I'm struggling. This one, right? I kind of feel like I need to break these teeth in or something, right? That was a joke. These are mine. And, uh, you know, they were absolutely violent, actually. Religion was violent and absolute in its refusal to accept resurrection life. The Jews were totally offended by the tomb. And today I want you to remember, okay, that, like, why do we preach grace? Because grace is the only gospel, number one. Grace is the gospel. But grace promises resurrection life in all of its fullness for you today. It doesn't demand from you. It doesn't put on you. It doesn't ask you to give. It asks you to come and to receive. And from that place, go live your life. It's the greatest story that was ever told. Amen? Amen? So it's amazing for me today. That, that's why when you look at this story and you, you go, why was it such a big deal? Okay, because in resurrection, what you're going to see is here as I, I get into it. In resurrection life, what you're going to see is that everything is from God towards you and the religious spirit hated that. The religious spirit wanted you to earn it still. The religious spirit didn't want to believe in such a message, okay, which would offer you fullness in every area, perfect and complete. And so what it did was, so today, what we'll find, if we're not careful, there'll be, there'll be bits of us and bits of the thing, people around us who will, who will say, well, you know, we might not out, like, deny the resurrection of Jesus, but what the resurrection achieved is up for grabs. Do you get that? It's the same spirit. It's a religious spirit. Whereas the spirit of grace says, come, lift up your eyes, look at me, and receive life in its fullness. Amen? So what happens? There's seven things. You might want to write some of these down, uh, because the first one is this. In Acts 3.15, it says that God raised him from the dead. So the first thing that we celebrate in resurrection life is that he defeated death. Somebody give me an amen. Okay, Jesus said, actually, in John 11.25, you know, I am the resurrection, I am the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Now, up until he rose, up until this very point, death seemed to swallow up every single ounce of life and hope 
after generation, after generation, after generation, after generation. And God had promised everlasting life, right? And, but the resurrection revealed that it was certain for his chosen, redeemed, and adopted sons and daughters. Why, why is that such a big deal? Well, the, the, the point is, everyone outside of faith lives life like this. It's, it's, it's shallow, it's narrow, it's self-centered, mostly narcissistic, because it's like, you might as well just go for it, because, eat, drink, and be merry, because tomorrow we die. You get that? This almost nihilistic sense around the world at times of like, what's the point? Because sure, it doesn't matter anyway. Now, the good thing about us is, do you, know, ever, do you ever have a day where you go, Jesus, would you just come back? Is that too honest? I have loads of those. Penny, good time to tell you this, you know what I mean? But, but it's not about you or it's not about the kids. It's just about life. And you look down the barrel of life and you go, seriously, I'd like to tap out right now and just go back. Like heaven seems amazing. <laughs> yeah. And then I go home and everything's better, right? <laughs> Pauses for drink. You get that? I guess one of the things for me is, I want you to understand something today. Not that I want everyone to die. That's not the point. But the point is this. This is not just it. Somebody say amen. See all your, your troubles. See all your difficulties. See all the stuff that's going on, okay? This, there is an ultimate hope for you and I this morning. You can relax. See if you don't have it all together and things aren't working all right. This at some point will not be it. Okay? At some point, what today reminds us of is that the, the greatest enemy that we ever face as people, which is at some point we close our eyes and then what happens next is answered in the resurrection. You will have life and life eternal, Jesus says. It starts now and you go to be with him in glory forever. Today, he says to the thief on the cross, you'll be with me where? In paradise. I, I want to encourage you today, lift up your heads. Don't get too short-focused, too narrow-focused, and too short-term-focused. Yes, one day we close our eyes, but we can be confident today that we go to be with him forever. Why? Because we shouldn't be scared of what comes next. We can live our lives with a view of eternity and not just short-term thinking, which actually fosters all kind of irrational and silly behavior, quite frankly, you know? Because we think that that's it, and sometimes letting go of this can seem so flippant scary, but death has been defeated, Death has been defeated. You don't need to worry about next. What you need to do is relax, take a big breath and say, you know what? Whenever he rose again, he demonstrated to all of those witnesses at that point and beyond that we don't need to worry because our eternity is secure. That's good. This is not just it. I long for the day where there's no pain, no sickness, no stress, no worry, no anxiety, no demand. You stand in the presence of God. Now, I don't happen to think that we'll all be standing, you know, kind of, you know, ooh, in one big mad Chris Tomlin concert forever. I just don't think that's what it's like. A new heaven and a new earth where we get to enjoy the presence of God in, in his fullness again, back to what he already, originally designed. You get that way back in the beginning where we would walk with God in the cool of the day and enjoy that fellowship with him just on this mega scale. Isn't that amazing? Hey, if there's a Chris Tomlin concert going on, knock yourself out. It'll be awesome. I know he's from your way, and so I don't want to offend, but you know what I mean? A Robin Mark concert. How's that? Woohoo! And, uh, but, but you get it? Listen, stop, stop getting all head up about what's going on in your life right now. In a moment, this will pass, and we'll be with him in heaven. Why? Because death was defeated. Second thing is this. But when in resurrection life, God purchased every promise for you. Why did Jesus rise? He had to prove that the Old Testament promises were truly from God. 
Because what happened is God in the Old Testament under the law promised that like the only lifeline of hope for people under the law was, was you know, was at some point, okay, that somebody would redeem them from it. That was the whole point. That's why they longed, in, in, if you look at Jewish history and literature and prophecy, they longed for the day when they would be free. And the promises that they saw, which, you know, like, if you can do this, if you can do that, if you can do the other, then I will bless, was just so close, but yet so far for them. You get that? And what happens in resurrection life? Jesus comes in and he goes, all of that which is written, I have now promised it for you and it's now yours. Acts 10, 39. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him up on the third day and made him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. What that means is all the prophets now bear witness, okay, that whoever believes in Jesus has forgiveness of sin through his name. So everything that, everything that you read in the old that points forward to a day where it describes what it's like for God's blessing and favor, you can read that today and say, yes, amen, that promise was bought for me. Why? Because Jesus did it. It was the fulfillment of it. It was the fulfillment of the law. The supreme penalty of the law was paid for in that moment, and you never have to pay it again. Somebody say amen. So number one, he defeats death. Number two, he buys every promise for you. You know what some of us need to do? Some of us need to get back into that place where we know what the promise of God is. I love as Bill Johnson says, he, he says, if there's an area of your life in which you're not living in faith for, then you're living under the influence of a lie say it again if you don't have hope in a certain area you're living under the influence of lie isn't that right every promise is yours today every single promise written in God's word is yours it's yes and it's amen and it was paid for somebody say yes Lord I receive it because that's what he does number three God has judged every sin and he has declared you to be righteous I love this. Every sin we've committed and every sin committed against us brings a question, doesn't it? It's the whole question of justice today. People love justice, okay? Will justice prevail? Will we all be wiped away or continually live under judgment and condemnation? Because actually, the Lord made it clear, every sin will be punished, right? Every sin will be punished. Have you heard that in religion? Every sin's gonna be punished. So you look to the cross today and you go, he was punished for every sin, past, present, and future. And what happens now is that, you know, in resurrection, he says that because I, it's not that I took sin, I became sin, right? Do you know, do you know that that's what your problem was in the beginning? We, we, we only see sin in terms of what we do. I do this, therefore that's who I am. Isn't that right? So what we do is we judge and esteem ourselves based on our, on our potential or performance on any particular day. Because sin, we've been told, under, under, the, under religion and law, is simply you do this, you break the law, and then you're a sinner. Okay, the Bible never said that. It does say that, but it says something first, sorry. It didn't say that that was the root of it. It says that who you are was the problem. Because everything that you do comes out of who you are. Does that make sense? So if you look through the, the book of Romans as an example, when it says sin, it uses the word as a noun. That's who you are. It's the name of something, not a verb, what you do. This sounds like an AQE class, right? 
verbs and nouns and adjectives and things. You see the difference? What's religion told us all for years? You did this, you're a sinner. Jesus said, before you did that, you were still a sinner. Because it wasn't, the problem wasn't your actions. The problem was who you were. You were born into it, right? So that's when it says he became sin, right? He wasn't like dealing with all the acts, right? He was dealing with the core of the issue, going right to the heart of your condition. And who you were was separated from God. But who you are now is recreated, reborn in his image as he is, so are you, perfectly righteous. That means perfectly acceptable to God. And what can you do for that? Nothing except say, thank you, Lord, I receive it. That's good news for someone. Some, there are people in this room and people watching online, and I know that's still in our heads. You do something and you go, oh, no. Isn't that right? I'm a sinner. Anyone? Struggling with habitual habits, all sorts of stuff. Saying stuff. Do you know? Oh, it doesn't matter what it is. We're so conditioned and so trained to go, I do, therefore I've broken. I do there. And the Lord went, no, 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 listen, let me explain it again. That only came out of your rotten nature. And can I tell you now, what the word tells us here very clearly is that he judged every sin. It wasn't that sin, he kind of swept it under the carpet. He judged it, he looked at it, and he put it on his son, and his son became the very sin that so entangled us. And in becoming sin, he dealt with it. He overcame it and rose again, and sin couldn't hold him. And what do you do? What do you get? In, in, as he became sin, we got his gift of righteousness in return. Isn't that flipping brilliant? Somebody say yes. Stop seeing yourself differently than what the Lord sees you. Because if Resurrection Sunday tells you anything, it tells you that he looks at you this morning and his heart leaps for you. He is passionate about you. He is for you. He is so wanting to pour out grace upon grace and favor on you. Why? Because he sees you just like Jesus. Perfect in every way. And if you doubt that, you'll never be in heaven. Do you know why? Not because of your doubt, because like, like light and darkness can't coexist. Do you get that? The Lord not let sort of semi-sinners into heaven. The Lord, it just, it, it, you know, we've got this completely wrong view. You're either perfectly righteous now and forever, or you're not. And you've been declared, the sin has been judged, and you've been declared righteous. Isn't that awesome? All because of resurrection. Without the resurrection, Sin would still have a hold. I love this. Now, because you're righteous, number four, God will restore everything that is wrong or you have been robbed of or has been broken in your life. I love this. Acts 3, 9, 20 to 21. Remember, I said in the whole book of Acts, right? They just go through the whole book and they're preaching resurrection, resurrection, resurrection. Listen to this. Peter calls uh, his fellow Jews to Jesus and he says this. Repent therefore, oops, and turn back that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Just hold that there. Don't, don't read on. Who, who says, who would love this morning to go, Lord, times of refreshing? Anyone? I know I do. Every day I would go, Lord, a time of refreshing for me would be lovely. Not that there's anything particularly bad. You know, you might say this week you'll have loads of refreshing. You know, come back windswept. We'll be refreshed every day. The, the wind cut in the face of me, all right? <laughs> you preached it, brother, and the Lord answered, all right? But what's interesting here is that what Peter is saying here is that 
your life up until Christ. Okay, there was lots that was robbed from you. Lots that was taken from you because of sin and its mess. Now, come to Jesus and let him refresh you. Now, that refreshing is not just going to go lovely. It's about restoration. And it comes from what? It comes from the presence of the Lord. That he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all things about which God spoke. In Joel 2.25, it says, So I'll restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten. Can, can I say, that's a promise for somebody in this room today. That's a promise for somebody listening online. There is a time coming when the world will be rid of sin, all of its causes, all of its consequences, and all that stuff. But there's a point where, because of resurrection, you can stand before God and say, Lord, see what was stolen from me? In faith, I declare that it's going to be restored to my life. Think about what it is. Even the things that were, you, you did, that this is the scandalous thing about God's grace is. Like, if I said that to some of you now, you'd probably go, well, if somebody did something to me and I was an innocent party in it, I can see, Lord, that would be okay for, for me to go, well, look, Lord, could you restore to me? But see, when I did something, like, it's a wee bit outrageous to actually believe that I could still stand and go, like, I made a mess there, but will you restore it? Does that seem outrageous? Anybody? It should feel outrageous because it is. It's absolutely scandalous, but that's the grace of God. If you don't believe me, there's this brilliant story in Luke 15, okay, about a great father and a wayward son. We all think, remember I've said to you, we all think it's about the prodigal son, but it's not, it's about the great father. And the wee lad spits in his father's face. And what we get to the end of the story and what does he do? He puts sandals on his feet, a ring on his finger, a robe on his back. He restores him to the place of full authority with all of the father's resources, all of the position, all that the father's had was once again his. Outrageous grace. Resurrection Sunday tells you this. It says here, a time of refreshing from the presence of the Lord and restoration validated today by Jesus rising again. And so I want to encourage you today, don't settle for things that have been stolen from you to go, well, that's just the way that it is. Don't grab them yourselves, but trust that God will bring about in the right time and in the right place and in the right circumstances the fulfillment of his word to your life, which was when the enemy stole from you, he will restore exactly what was taken from you. And the Lord, as I keep telling you, when he restores, it's always better quality and always better quantity. Amen? That's good news today. It puts my eyes up to Jesus. It puts my eyes up to the Lord to go, I don't need to fight. I don't need to push. I don't need to get even. I don't need to bully. Billy? Who's he? I don't need to bully or bully. Manipulate, connive. I don't need to be twisted, and I don't need to do what the world does. Because God in heaven says, I rose again. I, and part of my rising again was to bring you to a place of restoration for all the, see when sin was defeated okay what it means is in a new era of God's grace everything that's sin corrupted and stolen has been made new do you get that that's where restoration comes from we live 
on favor ground. We live in a time of favor. And so there was a time where sin corrupted. And now the Lord says, let me, part of my resurrection work is to restore that to you. Now, how do you do that in faith? You say, Lord, I, I, in this area, if, if there was something went off in your head and your heart as I was explaining that, then the Lord's speaking to you about restoration in that area. Do you get that? It could be relationships. It could be people. It could be kids. It could be money. It could be finance. It could be health. I don't care what it is. If it was corrupted by sin, yours or someone else's, believe this morning in faith that the resurrected Christ says to you, then let me restore. Amen? Grace is just bonkers, isn't it? Oh, yes, Lord, they did that to me, so pay me back. No, you were wrong. What does he do? He judges the sin but declares you righteous so that you can be favored. Isn't that brilliant? Living with a resurrection view of everything that happens through the cross. I need to hurry up. I love this one. Two, two more, three more. Every bondage is broken so that you can live in true freedom. What does this mean? Okay, I love this. Acts chapter four, verse two. There's a man, the context here is a man who's been um, lame from birth. And so Peter heals him, invites him to walk finally after all those years. And he heals him in the name of Jesus. And then the priests go, go absolutely bonkers, right? Because like, we'd rather have a cripple clearly than have somebody. It's crazy, isn't it? Like leave him crippled. Do you know what that tells us about law? You know, that, the, th the thing about legalism and, and, and religion is we, we kind of, sometimes we allow it and we, it, we fritter around the edges, but the Bible is clear that the spirit of the law is death. Because what happens, you see it even when the woman is caught in adultery, right? The, the, it's actually not about her. It's about being right or wrong. Do you ever have that? I'll tell you, in our lives, we find it. We find it, you know, whenever we started to look with a resurrection view of what, what did the cross mean for me today, okay? What we find is that people were much, were really happy to throw Andrew and Penny under the bus after years of relationship over being right or wrong. So we became less important and being right or wrong became more important. Now, at the time, that was difficult. And I just see it as that's just religion because people are, 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 are subjugated to what is true. Do you get that? Does that make sense? Yeah. All right, okay, good. Because what happens then is that here, like this guy's healed and the religious people don't like it because you just don't heal people. That's not what we do, right? You kind of go on, have you kind of lost sight of what's really important here? Mr. Religious Man, are you bonkers? This guy's been flipping lame forever. We should be celebrating that fact, right? Not arguing over the, the semantics and the religiosity and the theology of it. My theology is better than yours, right? Well, if my theology leaves me, if your theology leaves me feeling sick, poor, condemned, and guilty, then you can quite frankly take it and stuff it, all right? Too much? Okay, good. Because <laughs> that's not the gospel. That's not the gospel. But let me hear this. Like it says there, they were greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. So they take Peter into trial, and then he says, this is brilliant. Peter belts it out. Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, and then what? God raised him from the dead. Oh, petting the sore. This man is now standing before you well. Right? I love this. It's like when it says every bondage is broken, sometimes when we, we think about sin, it feels like ethereal. It feels like it's up there. 
brokenness in all of its manifestations. We, we, when we start to break it down, we can understand it, can't we? We start to see, like this guy was lame. That means his body was broken. And what happens is, like, that's a manifestation of what? Of his sin? No, it wasn't a man. It was just a manifestation of brokenness. In this world, there's brokenness everywhere. And what, what the declaration here is, Jesus died and he rose again. It means every bondage, every consequence of sin is dealt with. You need to receive that for yourself today. Do you get that? Stop living with the consequences of bondage and sin whenever Jesus rose again so that you could be free of them is what I'm trying to say. Stop entertaining them in your mind. Stop living with limitation and saying, well, you know, it's just the way that it is and my experience is. It's not about that. It's about whenever, G whenever Peter here says, you know, we boldly proclaimed the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, right? What he was saying is, it doesn't matter what the bondage is. Bring it to the Lord. Let it come under his hand and it will be made well. He will restore it. He will make it brand new. That every single bondage in your mind, in your body, in your heart, around you, in you. It doesn't matter what it is. It's been dealt with. That's the view post the cross. That's why, he, like, that's why he went to the cross. He didn't go to the cross so that you could still be in bondage. Why would he do that? Why would he go through that? Why would he give up his life for you? Give up his breath for you? Become sin, not just be, like we just see that his, his back was battered and bruised and he, was, he, was, he hung on that cross. The brutality, the physical brutality of it, you know, and we can kind of go, well, that's one bit of it. But in his very core, he becomes sin itself. Why? So that he would go through all of that so that you could still be sick and miserable at the end of it. It doesn't even make sense, does it? Like, I'll do all this, but somehow, religion will tell you, somehow that's still not enough. We live like it's still not okay. We're still not all right. And we just have to look again and go, he did that and then he overcame it so that you could be living free of bondage. Yeah. Every bondage was broken. Uh, last two. And uh, yes, okay. He encouraged this morning. Good. God's not, God will not just rescue you, but it's people from all over. This is faith for the people around you. Jesus was the promised Messiah of Israel, but he didn't just die and rise again for ethnic Israel. Paul preaches this in Acts 26. I stand here testifying both to small and great, saying nothing but what the prophets of Moses said would come to pass, that Christ must suffer, and that by being the first to rise from the dead, he would proclaim light both to our people and to the Gentiles. We're the Gentiles, by the way, okay? You get that? Sometimes we forget that we're, we're the Gentiles in the story. So um, Jesus rose to prove, okay, that God chooses everyone from the world. Not just from Israel, not just from ethnic Jews, not just from that lineage, but from everywhere. No one's excluded today. Nobody's left out. Doesn't matter one bit where you've come from, in, in any sense, actually. Doesn't matter what crowd you're, you've been in. You're included. You're on, you're on the inside. Do you get that? You're not on the outside. Because... What happens is it's just not about God reconciling himself, us to him, but also us to each other is the point. But when I, when I was reading that this week, seeing this in this second half of the year as we get into it, I, I honestly believe some of us need to have faith for the people around us again. More faith. Do you get that? Yeah. And I know that I'm touching on a sore for some people because there's disappointment. But the cross deals with our disappointment and gives us hope on Resurrection Sunday. I honestly believe that whenever 
not for Jews and not for Gentiles, means that this was for everyone, this good news. There are people living with bondage and dysfunction in their lives, people who are even believers. And we've kind of gone, that's okay. It's just the way that it is. And we've lost faith that they could ever see the fullness of God in their, in their days. I had a sense when I was preparing this week for the Lord to, to say to me, to say to you, okay, is again, he is working. Seeing those people where you have just accepted a level of this is the way that it is, he steps in on Resurrection Sunday to go, no, this was for everyone, and they're not excluded. Now, your responsibility, okay, is not to see them saved. It's the Spirit of the Lord who will draw them, who will show them. Your responsibility is simply just to speak life over them, speak faith over them, call out over them in the car, in the bathroom, in the shower, when you're making the dinner. Speak out over their lives that which you believe God has called them for and let him do the rest. Because this resurrection was for everyone. But the enemy will keep at you to wear you down, bring you down to go, not for them. They're okay, right? Just let them go on. Sure, it'll all work itself out. And the Lord says, no, have faith again. And believe that they're going to see the resurrected Christ in their life, in all of his glory. Amen? So who are those people in your heart today? Who are those people in your life today where you've gone, sure it is what it is. I, I just kind of thought, I'm not going to accept that. I'm not going to accept that, that dysfunction. The last one is this, number seven, perfect and complete. What I love about this is the final, the final word on resurrection is that there is not one bit of evil, listen to me somebody, not one bit of evil that will ever disrupt God's plan for you. See, the death of Jesus looked like the single biggest defeat that God's people had ever experienced. Instead of going to a throne, conquering his enemies, ascending, it looked like the promised king had been humiliated and crucified. But at the very moment when it looked like evil had won, God was working out his biggest victory yet. Peter preaches this, Acts 22, Acts 2, sorry, 22 to 24. Jesus of Nazareth delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. God knew what he was doing. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men, but God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. Isn't that lovely? I want to say this. It's the ultimate act of, in the middle of this ultimate act of rebellion and injustice, okay, where Jesus is crucified, God was pivoting all of history on that moment. Do you get that? And there is nothing, there is nothing, 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 nothing that anyone plans, that evil plans on this earth, below this earth, or above this earth that will ever take you out of God's goodness for your life. Do you hear me? You might be sitting here today on Resurrection Sunday going, well, I'd probably give myself six out of 10 because this is a wee bit bleak or this is a wee bit difficult. And even in our heads, sometimes we, we do a ready reckon, don't we? Well, if this happens, it could work out. And what about that? And how does this happen? And, you know, we're almost maneuvering for God and trying to sort stuff out for the Lord in our heads. And he says, you know what? There is no plan, no scheme that will ever take you out 
of my goodness and my grace for your life. And at the minute, if it seems like it's the darkest, it's because I am working the biggest victory for you. You might not see me working. You might not understand how I'm working. But what are our verses week after week in this place? But you will see the goodness of God, right? You'll be in the right place at the right time. So don't look with your natural eyes. In faith, go, Resurrection Sunday tells me that evil has no hold over me. Evil has no hold anymore over my family. Evil has no hold over my children or my grandchildren. Evil has no hold over my future. Why? Because the resurrected king says this that death itself was defeated. The, the, whole, the, whole, the, whole of, the whole of the world probably looked on at this, what would have been a pathetic figure on a cross, quite frankly, amongst common thieves and going, seriously, is that it? And what I want to say is this. It's interesting that if we have a different view, sometimes what looks like your weakest moment right, to the world, don't judge your situation by what the world sees because you're on the wrong grid. Don't judge your situation by what you look like compared to other people. Don't judge yourself by a standard or your life by a standard of what's on the internet or on Twitter or on Facebook or whatever because God's looking at a different grid for you. And at the moment where the world will judge you one way, God's going, seriously, you haven't a clue. My kingdom's upside down. When they're weakest, I'm strongest, okay? When you can't do it, I can do it. That's resurrection life. Amen? Seven things that make resurrection perfect and complete. Are you encouraged? Good. Do you know what you 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 can do if if the worship guys want to come up and we're going to get ready to worship? But all you can do today is close your eyes for one minute, okay? Um... When he raised his son from the dead, he, he promised to work all things, including the hardest, most painful things in your life, into good. That's why Easter is complete. And all you can do today is say thank you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your work. Lord, I receive it today. In this place, Lord, as I sit here in your presence, I just say thank you for your work. Jesus, we want to live in the in ever-increasing resurrection life. Father, we look beyond the cross to see the fulfillment of the cross is in resurrection. It's why it makes sense. Father, for the church this morning, here, Lord, for people listening online, <coughs> I pray that there would be a, a deepening revelation of grace in every heart. It almost seems like it's way too good to be true. But it is. It's outrageous. It offends the religiosity in us. It offends the it offends the, the wisdom of the world. It offers something, Lord, that not a doctor, or a sports team, a career, a qualification, an Instagram following or anything else could ever deliver. Life in its fullness. And so we celebrate that today on Easter Sunday. Resurrection life. And I pray grace upon grace over you. I pray life upon life over you. I pray peace and rest over your hearts and minds this day. 
that this week you would wake and have such a sense of the, the presence of Jesus with you. That everything that would worry you and weigh you down, everything that would sit heavy on you, I just pray in this moment that the Spirit of the Lord would just remind you, remind you that the battle is not yours. That because he defeated the greatest enemy, every other enemy up until that point, you know, it's nothing to the Lord. And so we give whatever it is to you, Lord. Every day, Lord, transferring the weight of, of the world for the lightness of your gift of grace. And Jesus, we say thank you. Every bit of our lives is covered. Every which way we look, Lord, we, we just turn into grace. For every area, on the inside of us, on the outside of us, Lord, just falling into grace no matter where we are. I pray that over you this week. I pray that over your minds, over your hearts. The resurrected Christ, the resurrected King, more and more and more. And all God's people said, amen. Why don't we stand? We're going to worship the Lord together as we finish. Um, we're also going to take our offering this morning. I'd encourage you to um, be generous in your, in your giving. Um, break the power of lack, okay, in your life by being someone who sows generously. Remember, when the Lord brings a harvest in your life, it's greater quantity, greater quality every time. And so we encourage you to give and to be generous. We encourage you to flow in that work of giving, supporting the work of grace, supporting the church, helping us to keep, keep going and keep preaching the, the message of God's goodness and favor in these days. So Father, we thank you for our gifts and our offerings this morning. Father, we thank you that we placed them into your hand today. Father, that you're the one who multiplies. You're the one who brings about good fruit in what we give. And so, Father, we do it with a good heart, a willing heart, and a grateful heart for all that you are. And, Father, we worship you now with our hands raised, our hearts raised, giving thanks to the King of Kings on this Resurrection Sunday. Amen.